It's time with Pastor Mike Kessler starts now. This is It's Time, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship, home of CSN International, featuring Pastor Mike Kessler, Senior Pastor at the River. Today, Pastor Mike is going to be teaching in the book of 1 Samuel. Located way back in the Old Testament, the books of 1 and 2 Samuel are the legacy that reveals the change from God-appointed judges over the people to the kingdom era, where the Jews are ruled over by a king both a departure from God's ways and a foreshadow of God's ways. With our study on the book of 1 Samuel, here's Pastor Mike. Those of you that have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to open them to uh, 1 Samuel, looking at chapter 4. And again, you know, um, God's doing great things. I know sometimes we don't always understand everything that's going on, but I do know one thing. I know that because we love God, and I know because we're making a difference in the world, we are the focus of a lot of evil attacks. And we just are. Friends, I just believe that. We remember as we're studying in the book of Samuel that, that Samuel was called by God because the condition of the nation of Israel had really fallen into disrepair. And what I think is so amazing in that is that, is that because it had fallen in, in, the, in the condition that it was in, God was looking for somebody that he could raise up to bless the nation of Israel. We remember Hophini and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were, were on the take rather than on the give. They, they didn't really care about the things of God. They just kind of inherited the, their position. And they weren't really in love with God at all. So we find that the nation had fallen into spiritual disrepair because of it. Now, uh, the problem is they still had the day-to-day life that went on. And we find now in chapter 4, when we go into this chapter, that the nation of Israel is involved in a war. Samuel is still pretty young. Probably, I'm imagining, somewhere in his early teens. Uh, Hopini and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, they were older. They were watching over, you might say, the things of the temple. But really, they were just scamming and the people. And so uh, we, we find the, a war now against the Philistines comes. And so we find some interesting parallels in this world today. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for your love for us. God, we just ask you tonight that as we seek these words, God, that we would be reminded, Lord, of the need that we have in our lives to bless you, represent you in a world that doesn't know you. And so, Lord, may you fill our hearts with your love May you fill our hearts with your kindness and your gentleness. And may, Lord, we truly be people that are called by your name. And so, God, as we read these words tonight, remind us, Lord, of our calling. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's look at chapter 4 here, 1 Samuel. It says, The word of of Samuel came to all of Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped at Aphek. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And when they had joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Duh. Now this is interesting because they didn't realize why this had happened. They did know that the defeat was from God, but they didn't understand why. But notice it says here, and this tells you the answer. Uh, He says, 
the elders said, let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. Wow, this is really strange. Because again, the Ark of the Covenant was never an implement of war. And yet they're trying to use the Ark of the Covenant where the cherubim and the Lord's mercy seat was on that Ark. They were trying to use that for an implement of war. And they said, let's bring it into the battle and it will save us. Oh, let's rub the magic foot. (laughs) You know, they were looking at it as a rabbit's foot or, or a lucky charm of some type that was somehow going to save them. From the Philistines. Notice it doesn't say the Lord will save us. They were saying it will save us. Friends, if you ever find yourself looking at something to save you, you're in trouble. Always remember that, even in your own personal life. There is nothing that ever should get between you and your relationship with God. Never know man, never know nothing else. Really, again, each one of us are accountable to God for what we do, and we need to maintain that relationship the best we can. Now, the Bible says if we sin, the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we know that we have an ongoing forgiveness that comes from God. And man, I need that every day. There's nobody that can say, I do not have sin in my life. But the thing we want to always remember is this. That is not a license to sin. That's simply saying that, God, I realize that the closer I get to you, the more I realize what I really am. And that's where God's intervention comes in. And that's what strengthens us and encourages us. You know, uh, again, the problem with the nation of Israel, they had forgotten their God. And because they had forgotten their God, now they're looking for a thing to save them rather than the Lord to save them. Why has the Lord allowed the Philistines to defeat us? Let's bring the Ark of the Covenant and it will save us. That tells you right there what the problem was. Their problem was they were no longer trusting in God. They were trusting in things to save them. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim. The two sons of Eli, Hopini and Pineas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all of Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. Now, this is interesting to me. There was enthusiasm for a thing that came into the camp. But again, it doesn't give the glory to God. Now, friends, anything in your life that doesn't give glory to God, God will take away. That's just the way it works. I've had people sometimes tell me that, you know, just as soon as I get a job, man, I'm going to start being in church and I'm going to do this. And and God gives them a job and you never see them again. You see, there's a lot of things that we try to put in place of a relationship with God, and that's what they did here. Now, notice something else here. Hopini and Phineas, they did not stop them and say, no, you should not take the Ark of the Covenant into war. It's not an element of war. It's a place where God meets the people when the high priest comes in and stands before it. Well, they heard this shout when it came into the camp. It's funny what people get excited over. Have you ever noticed that? People get excited over the goofiest stuff. In fact, sometimes the Bible even says you're not supposed to be excited over those kinds of things. Now, I believe that we are created in the image of God. God tells us that in his word. You know, the Bible says that jealous, that God is jealous. We've always been taught that jealousy is a sin. Well, friends, it is. Unless you're jealous for the right things. And the Bible says that God is jealous of you. He don't want to share you with anybody. I like that. He wants you all to himself. Do you know anger, we said, oftentimes say is a sin. The Bible says that God became angry. 
Well, then what is it? No, the problem is with us as humans is we oftentimes, though we're created in the image of God, we have the attributes of God in us. You might say the ability to love, the ability to be angry, the ability to be jealous. But the problem is that we are angry oftentimes at the wrong things. We're jealous of the wrong things. We, we have these different, these different feelings in our, in our lives. And this is what causes many of the problems that we go through. And so it's interesting that they were excited, but they were not excited because God was going to deliver them. They were excited because the ark, a box made with gold and overlaid with, or maybe I should say a wooden box overlaid with gold and the cherubim on it. Beautiful though, but still it wasn't God. And so it says that they shouted so loudly that the earth shook. Now when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? And they understood that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp. So the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before. It's interesting that they had, in fact, done their history lessons. Because, in fact, of a truth, it never had happened before. They'd never used the Ark of the Covenant as a symbol of war. Well, they said, woe to us. Who will deliver us from the hand of the mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Now, friends, it is interesting here that we find this being quoted here in Samuel. Now, in the older uh, uh, scriptures, the, the, the old the, the, the versions that were written in the 1600s and whatever, actually, it's funny because 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel was 1 and 2 Kings. And then in our Bible, which is commonly known as 1 and 2 Kings, was 3 Kings and 4 Kings. But they changed it and they made it first and second Samuel because it dealt with the ministry of Samuel and then dealt with the first kings of Israel in first and second uh, kings. But what I think is noteworthy here is the Philistines knew their history. And it also quotes it for us that it wasn't just beautiful metaphorical uh, warm fuzzies that, that were recorded of how, the, but it was enough that the Philistine army was troubled when they remembered what had happened to the Egyptians when God got involved. So they said, woe to us. Who will deliver us from the hands of the mighty gods? Well, verse 9, be strong and conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines, that you do not become the servants of the Hebrews as they have been to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. So the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated and every man fled to his tent and there was a very great slaughter and there were fell that day three in Israel 30,000 foot soldiers and then you add that onto the 4,000 that fell a couple days before. So you have 34,000 people died because of this tumult right here. Now you, you look at that and you realize that's about the size of our community. Twin Falls is about 34,000 people. So every man, woman, and child in Twin Falls would be dead because of this war. That was the size of the loss that, that, at that time. So verse 11 goes on. Now also the ark of, of, of God was captured and the two sons of Eli, Hophini and Pinaeus, died as well. Now they no doubt died in the battle because they evidently went with the Ark of the Covenant into battle as well. Or maybe I should say they went into the camp of, of Israel as well. Then the man of Benjamin ran from the battle line that same day and came to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. And by the way, it wasn't that he had just been dirty. Uh, that's a sign of extreme grief. And this is something you'll find all the way through the Bible, uh, a symbol of, of extreme 
um, brokenheartedness is to tear your clothes and put dirt on your head. And the reason why, there's a lot of talk of why that is, but a lot of people saying, well, the dirt on the head is recognizing your worthlessness before God. In other words, you're identifying with the dirt and the torn clothes is that there's nothing in my raiment that makes me anything. And so this servant came from the tribe of Benjamin, came running to Eli uh, with his clothes torn, dirt on his head, which was an obvious sign that something was really bad, big time wrong. And so it says, and he came. And there was Eli sitting on a seat by the wayside watching. For his heart trembled for the ark of God. Now, I think it's interesting that that Eli could have evidently stopped the ark from going into battle. Because he was worried that the ark of the covenant did go into battle. But it's also noteworthy that he didn't stop the ark of the covenant from going into battle. And he knew, as a prophet of God, that that's not the purpose of, of what that is. And, and again, friends, I, I believe that, again, there's always an effort, I think, within the enemy to keep us from being on what we're supposed to be on about. The old saying, keep the main thing, the main thing. <laughs> well, I think that there's a little bit to be said concerning that. And I think the enemy will do whatever he can do to stop you from keeping the main thing, the main thing. And you can look at it in your own life. You can see the diversions that oftentimes when they're trying to do something in the military as a diversion, they throw a flashbang and it goes flashbang and everybody looks over there and then meanwhile they can run in on the side and do what they want to do. I think the devil is an expert at flashbangs. <laughs> and you've probably seen it in your own life. You know how the devil will, will cause diversions. Well, it's noteworthy here that Eli was there and he didn't do anything to stop the the people from taking the ark into the warfare. And so that's why I think he was trembled for the ark of God. And then it says, and when the man came into the city, he told it and all the city cried out. And when Eli heard the noise of the outcry, he said, what does the sound of this tremult mean? And the man came hastily and told Eli. Now Eli was 98 years old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see. And the man said to Eli, I am he who came from the battle. I fled today from the battle line. And he said, what happened, my son? So the messenger answered and said, Eli has fled before the Philistines. And there is a great slaughter among the people. And your two sons also, Hophini and Phinehas, are dead. And the Ark of the Covenant has been captured. And it happened when he made mention of the ark of God that Eli fell off the seat backwards by the side of the gate. His neck was broken and he died. For the man was old and heavy and he judged Israel for 40 years. Now his daughter-in-law, Phineas's wife, when she was with child due to be delivered, when she heard the news of the ark of God had been captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and gave birth for her labor pains came upon her. And they say that with women who are, are expecting children that, that uh, uh, stress um, uh, can cause a person to go into labor early. And that's exactly what um, Phineas's wife did. About that time, uh, about the, and about the time of her death, the woman who stood by her said, do not fear, you have born a son. But she did not answer nor did she regard it. 
And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel because the ark of God has been captured and because her father-in-law and her husband are dead. And she said, The glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. It's interesting here, I think, again, as you look at this, that she named her child Ichabod, the Spirit of the Lord has left. That, that's a that's a really a tragedy when you see uh, that happen. And, and it's pretty customary in, in uh, foreign countries, especially before they had the advent of clocks and computers and newspapers, that you would name a child after an event that would happen, and that would always mark when that happened. In other words, you were a living historical book, you might say. When I went to Tonga, uh, they named their children after events. And I, I met a girl named Telephone. I don't think it's because when she got into her teen years, she spent all the time on it. But I could tell by looking at her, she was probably about 23 years old. And so I asked, I said, when did the telephones come to your country? She said, when I was born. And that's why my name is Telephone. I talked to a pastor who was Pastor Big Wind, um, literally. It's because that was the year that, a, uh, that a, a hurricane came and destroyed a lot of their houses and a lot of the island. While I was there, uh, I was at the radio station, and a couple knocked on the door, a young couple, and they had a little baby in their arms. And they let me meet their little baby. And I said, oh, that's really nice. What's her name? And, and they, they, she, they said, Radio Atomoto. And I said, what is that? She goes, Voice of the Islands. And she says, because she, she was born when, when Christian radio came to our, our, our village. And I thought, you know, that is really neat. Because that's how they would date things. Well, here, interestingly enough, here's a bad date. And that is that when the ark was captured, uh, her father-in-law and her husband are dead. She says the spirit of the Lord is left. Because, again, the ark of the covenant had been captured. Well, then the Philistines, chapter 5. And friends, the story, this... You know, there's things in the Bible that are el bizarro. And when we start, you're about to enter the twilight zone. Because this is kind of one of those things that gets way out there as you begin to read this. Now, the Ark of the Covenant, the Philistines took the Ark of God and brought it from Eliezer to Ashdod. And the Philistines took the Ark of God and brought it into the house of Dagon and and set it by Dagon. So, in other words, they brought it into their false temple. Now, this was customary because this was the mentality behind it. That our God is superior to their God. And so, therefore, as an offering to our God, we will bring this religious article before our God. And so they brought it in. And the people of Ashdod arose early in the morning. And there was Dagon, fallen on its face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. And so they took Dagon and set it back on its place again. Now this is strange. And they arose early the next morning. And there was Dagon, falling on its face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both its palms of its hands were broken off On the threshold, only the torso of Dagon was left on it. So they keep, they they think they're going to bring this thing in as an offering. And that's why it was before Dagon. It was an offering saying, look, you know, Dagon, you're so much more superior than the God of Israel. And they come in and here's their God on its face. They put him back on the pedestal. 
And I think God did that just to show him, hey, by the way, this wasn't an accident. It wasn't the, uh, the cleaning lady at night that knocked it off its counter and didn't want to say anything because the very next night that fall and off again, and this time its head broke off and its hands broke off. Um, it is uh, noteworthy, again, in the Bible that God oftentimes would remind the children of Israel, why do you serve um, idols that can neither see nor hear nor walk? And uh, so here it's uh, really being what you might call an illustrated sermon. Therefore, neither the priests of Dagon nor any who come into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon and Ashdod to this day. But the hand of the Lord was heavy on the people of Ashdod, and he ravaged them and struck them with tumors, both Ashdod and its territories. Now, they're being very kind here in the New King James. The word here is the word hemorrhoids. Now, God smote them with hemorrhoids. Now, I don't know how you make a commentary on that. Other than enough said. And so they were nice. They were said they were tumors. What's interesting, it doesn't say where they were at, but the original language seems to indicate that they were hemorrhoids. And so both in Ashdod, their city, and also its territories. And when the men of Ashdod saw how it was, they said, The ark of God of Israel must not remain with us, for it's the hand of is harsh towards us and Dagon our God. Therefore they sent and gathered themselves all the Lord of the Philistines and said, What shall we do with the ark of God of Israel? And they answered, they said, Let the ark of God of Israel be carried away to Gath, And so they carried the ark of God of Israel away. And so it was, after they carried it away, that the hand of the Lord was against that city with very great destruction. And he struck the men of the city, both small and great, and tumors broke out on them. (laughs) So no matter where they were moving this thing to, it caused real problems. Therefore, they sent for preparation. No, they, I'm sorry. I, you know I had to do that. You know, I, I, you're not going to get away with that. Therefore, they sent the ark of God to Ekron. And so it was, the ark of God came to Ekron, that the Ekronites cried out saying, they have brought the ark of God of Israel to us to kill us and our people. <laughs> They're going, yeah, we heard about this thing. Ah. And so they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, Send the ark of God of Israel and let it not go back to its own place so that it does not kill us and our people. For there was a deadly destruction throughout all the city and the hand of God was very heavy there. And the men who did not die were stricken with tumors. And the cry of the city went up to heaven. (laughs) Oh yeah, baby. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Can you imagine the whole town with hemorrhoids? No, why don't you sit down? No, I don't think so. I I mean, you know, friends, people say that God... Well, I don't find anywhere in the scripture that God's got a sense of humor. Well, first of all, we know he does. He made us. And then when we look in nature, we find God made the platypus. Now that was like at the end of the assembly line when God was making things. 
Hey, we got a few duck bills here. We got a few stingers left. We got some web feet. What can we make? Okay, let's make a platypus. Do you know the platypus is an enigma in the evolutionary world? It's the only mammal that lays eggs. It's got a stinger. It's got a bill like a duck. And so when they try to place it in their made-up evolutionary chains, the platypus, where shall we put it? And it violates every theory concerning evolution because it doesn't fit in any category. It's its own weird thing. And where did it come from and what is it? Well, it's interesting to me that God has this wonderful way of doing things beyond that which we understand. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to invite you to grab the free podcast of its time by hopping on the iTunes store and downloading your own copy. If you like having the disc, you can give us a call at 800-357-4226 to place your order for First Samuel. From Pastor Mike, myself, and all of us here at the River, thanks for tuning in to It's Time. 